Thank you, Tom and crew. What a wonderful service. Life gets complicated, doesn't it? I don't know about yours. Mine does. That's why I really appreciate what James did in this first chapter. Uh, he took a very complex reality and reduced it down to a choice. Now, there's a difference between a decision and a choice. A decision is selecting from two or more options, none of which is apparently superior to the others. A choice is selecting between two options, one of which is obviously superior to the others, to the other. And James took this whole idea of how do we respond to life's pressures, life's sorrows, life's temptations, life's challenges. How do we respond to those in a way that is productive and not destructive? And in verses 1 through 12 of chapter 1, he talked, first of all, how we respond to trials, to these pressures in our lives in a way that is productive, that helps us grow. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, various pressures in your life, knowing <coughs> that the testing of your faith produces, key word, endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We looked at that last week. The idea that if we respond <coughs> to these challenges that are before us, as men and women of faith, the just live by faith. James says when you respond that way, you become mature and complete, lacking nothing. He summarized that first section, 1 through 12, with these words in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres, who expresses this, the word is hupomene, this endurance. Blessed is the one who endures under pressure, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crowning quality of life which has been promised to those who love him. So, see, he said, the first option we have when we're confronted with a trial, with a great sorrow, with that nagging temptation, the first option we have is to say, I am going to stay true and faithful to my commitment to Christ, to my ethic, to my way of life that God describes for me in the Scriptures. And this word endurance, this word hupomene, I looked it up in the uh, Kittles Theological Dictionary of New Testament Words, what does it mean to stand fast? What does it mean to endure under the pressure, under, the, 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 under these kinds of pressures? Kittle says the word means to stay in place, to stand against opposition, to hold on, to stand fast, to stay still, to remain, to endure, to stay in force. Do you get it? Yeah. It was a word that, this is a Greek word, it was a word that was used of the Greek soldier who stood fast, the Spartan who said, I will die before I will let you invade my city. They stood fast, hupomene. And that's the image that James calls on us to see as we're facing these trials and these temptations and these great sorrows and, and this, this, this pull of our life to say, I don't believe God loves me because he did this. Or this pull that says, I know I shouldn't do this, but oh, I want to. 
James says, blessed is the person who endures that trial, that pressure in your life. Because when your faith has proven itself to be real, you will receive this crowning quality of life that he described in verses 4 and 5. Perfect and complete. Pardon me, verses 3 and 4. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So that first option, that first option says, if I respond the way God taught me to, it leads me toward this wonderful aspiration of goal, of being the person God wants me to be. So we might ask, why this rather interesting word, hupamane, why, why this strong endurance to stand, why that kind of a challenge? Because the other option, the other option is to turn those trials into temptations. And when we do that, we contribute to living a destructive life. The first option is to endure the trial, and God leads us to a productive life. The other option is to let temptation run away with us and lead us to a life, what he says is, a life of, uh, a li- a life of death. Interesting concept, a life of death. Well, James deals with this idea of temptation. He says, verse 13, he tells us first where temptation does not come from. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And then he tells us where, where temptation does come from. Each one is tempted when drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is finished, it gives birth to death. So he said the option, the alternative to, to living this life where pressure is always there. Pressure is always there. These, these things that come into our life that want to pull us away, always there. He said the first option, respond to them by being consistent, by being faithful to your faith walk, and you will grow. And the reason that's so important is that if you don't, you will turn that trial that God intended for good into a temptation which will destroy you. Now, two things we have to understand. There's this word uh, that's translated trial in verses 1 through 12, 2 through 12, is also translated the same word, temptation, in verses 13 through 15. The same word, pyrosmos. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, we have words like that in our language. The word run. I'm going to run the 5K run. It's a verb and a noun in the same sentence. Or the word trunk in English. It can mean the front end of an elephant or the back end of a car. Now, if I ask you to put my suitcase in the trunk and you try to stuff it up an elephant's nose, we will come and honor you at your funeral, but we won't honor you for your intelligence. Okay? You say, I, okay, the context tells me that this word, it's the same word, but it means different things. And James says this, this first use of the word pyros, this first word that's translated trial, is something that will develop you, but you can take that thing that God intended for good, and you can turn it into something that will destroy you. Listen to it again. Let no one say he is, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. God does not tempt us. You cannot say, well, this temptation came from God. Nor if you remember flip. Wilson's Geraldine, the devil made me do it. 
James says, no, 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 no. Each one is tempted when your lust takes over your life. When we are dragged away and enticed by our own lust. This word dragged away is used in the gospel. Those stories when when Jesus did the miracle of the fish and the disciples were dragging those nets full of fish into the boat. And that's the word picture. James says this, your your lusts, your, your desires take over your life. They drag you away and they entice you. This word entice means deceit, treachery, cunning. 2 Peter 2 says, With eyes full of adultery, the false teachers never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. That same word. They seduce the unstable. Verse 18 of chapter 2, Peter said, For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. And James uses that imagery, that picture, that these temptations, these cravings of the flesh whisper in your ear. They entice you. Let me read it again. They never stop. They seduce the unstable. They mouth. Have you ever heard this? You ever heard your, mind, your, your body talking to you? They mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to your passions, to your lustful desires of the flesh, they entice you. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. So James says we really have two options. The option of hupomenei, of saying, I'm going to remain faithful to my ethic, faithful to the way of life that God tells me I should live. I'm going to do that. It's hard. It's a struggle. I really, I, I really want to be angry at that person. I really want to nurse that petty thing. Ah, I got this beautiful piece of gossip. Oh, do I want to call somebody and tell them? But I know I shouldn't. The lustful deceit say, eh, come on, they're going to lie to you. It's just, we've, you've just heard it, what Peter said about it. But you know, these aren't false teachers that are telling you these things. These aren't some seductor or seductress. This is my own mind. And so I can follow the way the, 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 and, and, and seek long-term fulfillment and say, Lord, I want to do this, but what I really want is this fulfillment, is this this crowning kind of life that you told me that I will be working toward if I remain faithful. The other option is the immediate pleasure. It feels good right now, and I'm going to put my long-term goals, my aspirational desire to be what God wants me to be because I want to do this thing because it feels good. One way, the brain is driving. The other way, the gut is driving. The first option is guided by rational thinking. The other option is guided by impassioned feelings. The first one exhibits controlled discipline. The other one exhibits uncontrolled lust. It's not a decision. 
It's a choice. Very simple. One leads to life. One leads to death. And we need this hoopamane. We need this discipline. We need this commitment to be steadfast for a couple of reasons. One is, maybe you're not this way, but my mind is like a cage full of crazy monkeys on drugs. (laughs) Is yours? I mean, I, I try to think of one thing, and my mind goes off here, it goes off, even when I'm praying. I'm praying, oh, Lord, I love you, and these awful thoughts just march through my mind like a John Philip Sousa band. Even when I'm uh, confessing sin, oh, Lord, I shouldn't have done it. I'm so sorry. And the voice says, but it sure was fun. Sure felt good. You'll probably do it again. I, I, I hope you're identifying with this, and I'm not just up here embarrassing myself. <laughs> the mind is a crazy thing. And if we don't discipline it, it will tell us stuff that will destroy it. It will tell us stuff that will destroy us anyway. We have to get it back, get it back, get it back, focus it. Who am I really? What do I really believe? What do I really want for my life? And for the lives of those who look to me to model what it means to be Christian. Rejoice in the opportunities to face into trials with hoopamane, knowing that that process will make you stronger every time you win. I said last week, it's like a muscle. You go into the gym, you build the muscle. Well, every time your mind has to come back and make that choice, this way to life, that way to death. Which way do I go? So the first reason we need this discipline, this hoopamane, is because our mind is a crazy thing. Second reason we need it is that these choices that we make day after day, hundreds, hundreds every day, little, little ones. Remember last week we said it's not the, what was it, the lions that drive us out of the jungle, it's the mosquitoes. It's those little things, yet, 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 over and over again. And that's what life is made up of. As we paint the picture of our life, we think of this broad strokes we have. And we have some broad strokes. You know, we have our conversion to Christ. We have our graduations that we have. We get married. We have children. All these huge, these big, they're great. They're important. Career change. But every bit, or even perhaps more influential in painting the picture of of our life are those daily little decisions. I have a friend named Randley Ridlin, who's an artist, and I was at his home one day in Denver, and, and I noticed a new picture on the, on the wall. It was a beautiful landscape, so I went over to look more closely at it, and what I noticed is he didn't paint it. It wasn't a painted picture. It, he had taken a stylus and, and dipped it in the paint, and it was thousands of little dots, and then he'd do a different color, and he made this scene with kind of like the pixels on your, on your computer screen. 
And as I looked at that, I thought, you know, that's how the picture of our lives are created. And we may paint the sky with a brush or the green grass with a brush. But the details, the details are how I respond to that email. Whether I say hello to that person who doesn't particularly attract me. Whether I'm generous when Tom asks, talks about the offering. You know, I, I was thinking about friendships. Thinking about friendships. You don't build friendships with a paintbrush. You build paint friendships <laughs> with a stylus. It's whether or not I say thank you. Tell me that I look you in the eyes when you're telling me something that matters to you. It's whether or not I weep with you when you weep and rejoice with you when you rejoice. It's those hundreds of little things, isn't it? Isn't it that, that make these relationships work? A marriage? It's just those little things that we do or don't do. People always talk about the honeydew list. You know, I had a honey don't list too. <laughs> Equally important. I could be one aggravating son of a gun. So can you. So James is saying as you go through your life, as you go through your life, realize it's made up of these Choices, 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 choices. One choice adds to you. Makes you more. The opposite choice subtracts from you. It makes you less. And James says, make the right choice. Blessed, happy, fulfilled is the person who perseveres under trials, knowing that the testing of their faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect, complete result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is tough. This is tough. I, here in church, I'm preaching, real easy. But I'm going to go home. And I'm going to get back into life. And I'm going to face those things. And I have those two options. And I have to make choices. And so do you. So I was thinking about how do you shut this thing down? How do you close this sermon? You know, do you leave them hanging? I don't know. So I prayed about it. I do that every once in a while. And, and the words to this song came to me, so I got a hymnal and looked it up, and, and here's what this dear Annie Hawks wrote, I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby, temptations lose their power when thou art nigh, I need thee. 
Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And verse 3 says, I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide or life is vain. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. You and I cannot afford a moment out of God's presence. To be aware of that, this prayer. I can't do this by myself. Have you seen those? I watch some mountain biking videos every once in a while. And they come and say, don't try this. <laughs> don't do this at home. These are highly trained professionals. And James is saying, don't try this on your own. You don't need to do it on your own. This whole book is about faith. That's what this whole thing is talking about. So if you try to strike out on your own and you say, I'm going to do it. No, no. I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And Jesus reminds us in very graphic, beautiful terms that we need him. We come to this table, and this table tells us that I love you. Did I forget something? Oh, we're going to sing? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I need thee every hour. Let me finish that, okay? I, I keep this time thing. Let me, let me, let me, uh, this Annie Hawks, who wrote that song, I Need Thee Every Hour, and, and I, then I asked Tom to, to lead us and sing the chorus of that. Annie Hawks is following the death of her husband. Hawks reflected on the power of her song. She, so she wrote, I did not understand at first why this hymn had touched the great throbbing heart of humanity. It was not until long after when the shadow fell over my way the shadow of a great loss that I understood something of the comforting power in these words, I need thee every hour. So in your moment of sorrow, in your moment of temptation, I need thee. I need thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me. Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour. Stay Thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when Thou art nigh. I need Every hour in joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or life is vain. Sing this with me. <laughs> 
I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come.